Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. Hi there, this is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to this week's Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Thank you for downloading from our website at techcentral.ie using your favourite podcast app on your smartphone or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is our show for the week ending Friday the 1st of April. Lots going on with Apple this week. The Oculus Rift is out in the world. We'll tell you more about that uh, as virtual reality becomes actual reality. And also, we're going to Tala to meet some very interesting robots who are involved in very high-end stuff. I think you'd be fascinated when you hear about it. That's Niall's interview for this week. But speaking of Niall, editor, commander-in-chief of TechCentral.ie joins us right now. I suppose, uh, Niall, the first story really is to, it is April Fool's Day. April the 1st. And yeah, we're, we're not doing a prank. It's, no. It's ridiculous. No. I, I tend to do one every year anyway on Tech Central, and, and in fairness, they're pretty lame. But in the world of lame gags, here's one, and Google, Google kind of, it's not going to be better this year. Google introduced uh, a little thing called Mic Drop. Right, So uh, it was integrated into Gmail and uh, pretty much where you would have the send button, they actually had a little something called mic drop, which inserted a little gif of a minion from uh, Despicable Me dropping the mic and walking off. Now, it's cute until you're actually sending work emails to people. So you had people sort of sending emails, putting mic drop at the end of it, and just looking like a total dork for having done it. So people are complaining, saying, you know what, I sent an email to 30 clients, I now have mic drop at the end of it, thank you so much. Or I had a deadline that I met and I put mic drop at the end of it, now my manager won't talk to me. All of this sort of stuff. So uh, Google reined in on the, on the prank fairly quickly, issued a mea culpa, uh, I would not be surprised if there are any lawsuits uh, arising from this. Not one bit. So there you go. That is the worst Saint, uh, worst um, April Fool's <laughs> joke you will ever see. <laughs> You're not impressed at all. You you are grumpy today. How can you not like something that the minions are involved in? Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> this- okay, well, t- talking movies, can I just give a very quick shout-out to a movie that I saw a while ago? It's out in the cinemas now. Everyone should go see it. It's called Midnight Special. Uh, if you like the old Steven Spielberg movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which I know you do, Dusty. I know you rate it. Uh, you will love this film. I'm not going to say anything else about it. It's a nice surprise. I'll look it up on IMDb, and then I'll see where it's showing in Dublin. Midnight special, a uh, uh, sci-fi movie recommend from Nile. Let's get into the stories for this week. Apple uh, leading uh, the charge this week, and they have claimed victory in their battle against the FBI, and the FBI have claimed big victory in their battle against Apple. Yay! Yeah, everybody's happy, nobody's happy. Um, basically, what happened was that we were following this story for a good while. Um, the core of it is all about encryption in iOS. Um, there was, of course, the very sad case of Sayyid Rizwan Farouk, Syed Rizwan Farouk, um, who uh, shot 14 people and injured 22 in San Bernardino uh, last December. Um, the FBI, in their investigation, said, OK, he's got an iPhone 5C. We want to crack it and see what intelligence we can get from it. Uh, Apple said, you don't need that because you don't have any further investigation to do. You know exactly what this guy's circumstances were, what his state of mind is. You actually have no case to prosecute against it. Um, the FBI then said, OK, we're going to issue, we're going to get the court to issue an All Writs Act. Now, basically, an All Writs Act allows a court with in a specific jurisdiction to issue any kind of subpoena it wants so long as it's in line with the spirit of the law, right? So this is actually a pretty good um, legal mechanism where you have an awful lot of 
rapidly advancing technology and the law is very slow in catching up with it. Uh, so the FBI uh, were looking to pursue this um, through the courts uh, on the 5th of April, so Monday. Um, then a third party came forward, a company called, uh, well, the FBI haven't said who's helping them in this, but it's believed that is an Israeli company called Selbright showed up and went, oh, we can crack that iPhone. And uh, the FBI were like, no, no, uh, yeah, okay. Of course, the FBI wanted access to iOS in general. Apple said, you're not getting access to iOS. This is really what the whole thing was about. And um, this third-party company showed up. Uh, the FBI have been able to say, yeah, we cracked the phone. We got what we wanted from it. Apple has been able to say, you didn't get to crack iOS. We're happy. By the way, tell us how you cracked our iPhone. The FBI are saying no, but both sides are claiming victory. <laughs> Everybody's happy and unhappy at the same time. Oh dear. And, and, and you could look at it from the other side and say that it's not a good result because the FBI were able to crack uh, the uh, seemingly invincible uh, iPhone and that could affect their sales. Ah, listen, you know what? It, it, you, you could talk forever about that uh, particular story. Uh, tell me about Apple. All the news from them this week, they had their, uh, their announcement of new iPhones. What are we getting this year? Yeah, we're just playing catch up on this from last week. Uh, two big items from Apple's latest line of product reveals, a 9.7 inch iPad Pro and a 4 inch, uh, um, the 4 inch iPhone SE, which I guess is as power, more powerful than the 5S, which is a good thing. Not, not quite up there with the, with the 6 and the 6 plus. Um, this is actually good news for me because I still have an iPhone 4S and I really enjoy the form factor of it. I'm not really into huge screen size. I don't, Personally, I don't get the benefit of it because I don't play, play an awful lot of games. Um, and so, yeah, if I was to get a new iPhone, maybe this is the one I'd, I'd go for. I am due an upgrade at this stage. Um, so we'll, we'll park that and say, yep, well, I think we, good idea. I think we will more than park that because I kid you not, you were the fourth person who has said, yes, I think I'll get a new iPhone because it's cheaper and uh, it's a little, a little bit smaller. So that's uh, kind of interesting. Uh, also making uh, new announcements this week are Microsoft. What are they up to? Yeah, it's Microsoft's build conference this week. So they were um, basically setting out their vision for Windows and HoloLens and where they see Microsoft going at sort of a macro level. So they weren't talking about devices, wasn't about that. This is more a bit about software and the, the overarching um, idea of where Windows as a platform is going. So we figured out, we found out a couple of nice bits of trivia and a nice bits of um, actual blue sky thinking. So, first of all, 270 million devices now running Windows 10. Are you surprised, Dusty? Not at all. And you know, Windows 10 is fantastic. It is great. Um, The only problem I have is that I still keep a a few machines on Windows 7, just because Windows 7 is also fantastic. But, uh, of course, every time you switch it on, you've got five minutes and then there's a prompt coming up. And the prompts are getting more aggressive. Uh, And you're like, yeah, okay, Windows 10 is fine, but you know what? I'm happy with this as well. Why can't you just leave me alone? But I guess you don't get to 270 million devices without annoying people at some stage. I suppose not. So um, that's that's one bit. Um, The next thing that we found out was that the first big update to Windows 10 uh, will be called uh, Windows 10th Anniversary Update. Windows 10 Anniversary Update. Uh, it's coming out this summer and uh, it's, it's kind of little tweaks and things. Well, one of the things they were speaking up was um, better pen and ink capabilities. So you've got a stylus, it's going to get more accurate, it's going to get a little bit nicer to use. Um, also, there'll be more games in the App Store um, also, Microsoft were talking up uh, its universal platform apps. So you basically just have to develop for one platform and it'll show up everywhere. So the likes of Facebook, Instagram, and Messenger, or basically Facebook, 
uh, is taking to the idea. So they will be developing apps for Windows. Uh, a few other, oh yes, and one, two really good items. Uh, the HoloLens is finally being released to developers, so we'll find out uh, a little bit more about what the device can actually do over the new few, uh, over the next few months. And Microsoft has opened up this idea of conversation as a platform, right? So uh, bear with me. It's, it's basically about having language as the connection between people and robots, and also robots and robots. So you will have. You will be able to talk to Cortana and say, will you book me a hotel room in this hotel? Cortana will talk to Skype. Skype will talk to the bot in the hotel. And uh, they will send the message back down and say, yes, okay, your hotel room is now booked. There is no interaction with a computer, with a keyboard, anything like that. You just speak to your personal assistant. Your personal assistant speaks to a bot. The transaction is completed. It all happens over the internet. Uh, all ha- happens using AI, and you don't have to worry about a thing. I don't like that because I kind of personally uh, like uh, ringing Virgin uh, Media and speaking to their call center in the Philippines. It's wonderful. <laughs> so much clarity, such yeah. quick response. Bring on the bots! Bring on the bots! And I, 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 now I know that they didn't have very much success with their uh, their most recent bot, which they had on Twitter and started spewing racist comments. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but well, they you, are. You open up something to the internet, you're just looking for trouble. Well, really, this is it. You? But the thing is, is that Microsoft are determined to kind of get at this. And you know what? Uh, on a customer service level, having bots doing that twenty four seven, I think it's it is a great idea, and it'll be very interesting to see where it goes. But listen, let's get into the. Uh, the bit of tech that we would really like to find in our Christmas stocking, or preferably a lot sooner than that, please. Uh, the Oculus Rift, it's out there in the world, and we have real-person reviews. So uh, uh, the first thing we were wondering was, I mean, the unit itself costs, uh, whatever, six, seven, eight hundred quid, all right? Then you also need to have a computer to run it on. And, and it comes with a very high spec, does it? Yeah. Uh, now, the Rift came out during the week. It was $599. Um, we're not going one for one on this, Dusty. I'm sorry. I, I know we usually do, and it's usually correct, but I think it's going to be a lot more when it lands over here. Mm. But um, Oculus ba- basically did two things. They said, look, uh, we have a certain number of PCs that we're going to promote on our website as saying, you know, Buy this and you can you can run the Rift. It's fine. Uh, but they also have what they call a program and uh, a set of minimum specs. Okay, so do you, do you want me to tell you what your bare minimum specs are for the Rift? Give, give me the top five, yeah. Okay, right. Uh, top five. You need eight gigs of RAM. You need three USB ports. Uh, you need an Intel i5-4590 processor or greater and uh, just just to cheat on on that, uh, for a video card, you need an NVIDIA GTX 970 or an AMD R9 290 video card or better. Okay, and you think this is a problem or you think it's fairly standard? Which? Three USB ports? So- Three USB three ports. Sorry. If you if you but if you're buying a desktop PC, that's that's the yeah. kind of stuff that it would come. I would imagine as standard. And if not, it's something that you can add in fairly quickly. Yeah. And, and yeah. Okay. The only right. one so, I'd be worried about is the video card. Yeah. Okay. That'll say that 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 might be a stumbling block. Mm. But I went and I had a look at say the cheapest uh, of the uh, recommended um, tower PCs mm. that that you can run it on. Uh, the Asus ROG. G20CB, it's a, it's a real gamer's tower. You know, it looks pretty swish. I like it. €1,752. Euro. Ow! Ow! Stamp. All right, okay. Oh, okay. Before, 
you can buy the Rift. Okay, so seventeen and eighteen hundred quid uh, for the PC, and another say six, seven, eight hundred to two and a half grand to get it. Now the reviews are out there in the world. What are people saying about their hands-on experience with the Oculus Rift? Kind of pretty predictable, really. I mean, when, when we talked about sort of our, our rule for upgrading things, it's basically what new product comes along. I Don't didn't know we. I, I didn't know we had a rule. <laughs> my my rule would be always buy the uh, the biggest and best that you can afford at the time. Yeah. Okay. Your your rule is different to my rule. <laughs> your rule is get your hands on. <laughs> my rule is I'm on a budget. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, basically. Um, the reviews are coming out and it's like, yes, this is wonderful technology. Yes, this is going to change the world uh, eventually. Um, yes, it is expensive. Um, yes, it has rough edges. Yes, there isn't that much you can actually do on it at the moment. So first generation, uh, if, if, hang on to the second. There, there are a few rough edges on it. Um, for example, the manual controllers aren't out just yet. You're, you have an Xbox controller uh, instead of those. Also, um, the, you're still restricted by an awful lot of cabling. Um, and uh, there's a few features on it that people mightn't, uh, mightn't think they need, but would actually come, out, come in quite handy. So one really good example is um, a little switch that would flick between your virtual world and the actual world. So say you're, you're feeling a little nauseous, you're using, uh, you're using say, uh, a game with an awful lot, like a racing game or E-Valkyrie, which is kind of um, their uh, spaceship shooter that, that comes with the, the Rift. You might feel a little bit nauseous, um, a quick flick from the virtual to the real world, settle down, flick back, away you go. You go. Um, saves you taking off the helmet, readjusting, etc. It sounds like a nice little feature. It doesn't sound like a big S- deal to implement. Somebody's just developed a, a website with a workaround for that, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, it's take the helmet off. Ah, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, pe- people are gen- it's expensive, but people are generally happy with it. But I, I think our advice will be wait until version 2 comes around when it's a little bit cheaper and a little bit more developed. Yeah, and when there's an awful lot more stuff to do with it. Bear, bear in mind, you know, Oculus is owned by Facebook. Facebook will have an app on this pretty quickly. All right. Now, listen, thanks for keeping us up to date with the news stories for the week. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Earlier on in the week, Niall went on his travels again with his microphone to meet a guy called uh, Paul Ridgway, uh, Professor Paul Ridgway, if you don't mind. Uh, And what's he a professor at? He's working with robots in quite a stunning way in Dublin. Listen to this. I've come out to Tala Hospital this morning where I'm visiting the Acute Surgical Assessment Unit, but I'm also here to make the acquaintance of Lucy, which is a telepresence robot uh, that is being used to aid patient care. Uh, Now, I'm speaking with Professor Paul Ridgway, who is, I guess you might call the project lead on bringing Lucy to Ireland and to Tala in particular. And uh, Professor Ridgway, I guess to start, just tell us a little bit about the uh, Acute Surgical Assessment Unit and why it was seen that there was a need to have a robot in it? Well, I suppose uh, in Ireland in particular, uh, as we know from a lot of the media and indeed from working on the ground, that there's a particular pressure point in our uh, acute care units. And not only are we looking to make sure that patients are, are accommodated appropriately after they've been acutely assessed, but also the assessment itself needs to be conducted in a safe and efficient manner. 
that safe and efficient manner sometimes can be delayed owing to the, the numbers of patients that we see, but also to accessing senior decision makers in a robust and quick fashion. <clears throat> in Tala, we have had an interest in looking at acute surgical care and, and that pathway. We see patients with acute surgical illness quickly, but we felt that we could see them even more quickly by developing an acute surgical assessment unit. This allows us to divert a patient flow from the normal emergency department stream to a specified unit where this particular cohort of patients can be looked after efficiently and safely. In order to access those patients, we send down our teams who are on call every day in the hospital to see those patients. Sometimes, owing to the pressures of normal, what we call elective work, which means the work that we conduct during the day normally, such as outpatients or theatre lists or endoscopy scope lists, the senior decision makers can't be present in the unit at all the times that they may be needed for, for questions. We therefore had a decision to make a novel solution with the help of the ICT department here in Tala to implement a telepresence robot, which we have called Lucy. So it's very much a case of, say, where somebody presents with a condition that you know will need surgery in advance, that you can pretty much fast-track them through the A&E and bring them straight to surgery. Exactly. So the idea is this so-called patient experience time or pet time that you may have heard about in the media a lot is something that we do look at. And that allows us to process these patients quickly, allow them to see the surgeons who are ultimately going to do their operation quickly and allows us to really cut out some of the, the other hours that may be spent where they're going in the system, uh, which is a general system for all patients. So just to describe Lucy, um, she basically looks like uh, sort of uh, an iPad sort of perched atop a, a, a sort of a, a single wheel Segway, I guess. Um, what attracted you to that particular te technology solution? Well, in, in Tala already, we've had a bit of a history with telepresence. And Dr. Ronan Collins uses a thing called the RP7, which was the, the father of Lucy, if you like. It is a very big, cumbersome device, but allows excellent uh, access to the patients. And it allows a um, very high-definition camera to see those patients and therefore make decisions on their stroke care, which is what it's currently used for. The disadvantages of that particular device, however, though, is it is not mobile. And because we want to get our senior decision makers down to the ASAU, even virtually through Lucy, in a very speedy format, that sort of device wouldn't be uh, appropriate for us. We needed something that not only was mobile itself, but also the doctor dialing in would be mobilely able to access that patient. And in terms then of actually using the robot, uh, are we looking at any sort of bespoke hardware or software, or is an awful lot of this sort of already existing in the wild? Well, that's a, an excellent question, and really we're just leveraging the technology that's already there. This device, and I believe this is the first telepresence uh, unit of its type in Ireland, uh, this device is readily available on commercial basis, and, and that's where we got it from. It's been used across the world in museums to allow you to remote dial in to look at museum pieces, and we simply recognise that this would be the perfect device that would suit our needs. Um, and in terms of the actual control of the robot, um, I gather you're sort of leveraging existing smartphone apps. Yes, exactly. The actual control of the robot is, is the bespoke 
by the company, and it's a secure way of actually dialing in. So it's similar to Apple's FaceTime or Microsoft Skype. It allows a very secure encrypted um, dial-in from any particular given mobile device. So we commonly use uh, Lucy on our mobile phones or our, our mobile iPads, which are all provided to us by the uh, the um, ICT department here in Tala, who've been very proactive in this project. And that allows us to dial in virtually from anywhere in the country or indeed the world as necessary. Uh, I guess there are kind of two very interesting elements, uh, one from a patient care and one from a practical perspective. First, I'd like to ask is, how are patients actually taking this? Do they appreciate that they have faster access to consultants or is there that barrier that, you know, I'm I'm still talking to a machine, it's, it's not particularly pleasant? Yeah, again, that's a, that's a very good question. We specifically needed to make sure that this virtual presence is at least as good in certain aspects as being there ourselves. Clearly, the, the biggest difference in us not being there is our ability to touch our patients, to introduce ourselves, but also to examine our patients. We get over that hurdle by having other doctors there. Some of the more junior members of the team might be there and we can pick up cues from watching them do the examination. However, we realised that this was a new paradigm for looking at patients, for a lot of patients, particularly our older patient set. And we're currently involved in a research project looking at the acceptability from the patient perspective of this device. And we've been surprised with some of the early results in that they've taken to it very well, similarly to taken to smartphones very well, but they've taken to this particular technology extremely well and they feel uh, very at ease very quickly. And I personally feel, and I'll be anecdotally at this point in our experience, that the ability of Lucy to be able to extend to a full five feet in height, but also reduce itself down to three feet in height, can actually meet the patient at eye level is so very important. So even when I'm using Lucy to do the ward rounds, I can decrease her size to approximately three and a half feet, which is the perfect size to interact with a patient that may be in the bed during the ward round. And in terms of selecting the team that will escort Lucy about the place, is there an optimum number of people to go with her? I mean, should you still be guiding a a clatter of student doctors around or or is simply having sort of uh, a doctor on site and say a nurse enough? So in terms of the actual personnel, it is important to have the minimum amount of personnel that would normally say be on a ward round. For the acute surgical assessment unit, it's all we need is the nurse, one doctor and Lucy. So that does allow us to see the patients in in a much reduced format. But certainly for a ward round, Lucy fits in just as another person. And I think that's probably the most interesting thing we found in using Lucy. She simply fulfills the role of whoever that person she is there to, to, to allow into that particular situation. And I guess the second major hurdle that adopting any new technology uh, into, so, into a hospital, which has quite an enterprise IT environment, it brings with it significant concerns over data protection and uh, information security. So how did you address that particular challenge? So um, we have a very progressive ICT department here and we ask them to fully address and also look at the pathway which data would actually take both in terms of of the visual data of our pictures but also of of the audio data i.e. what we're communicating with the patient. We obviously don't allow any uh, uh, other uh, parties to dial in to Lucy so it's obviously very cl- uh, clearly password protected and encrypted and our ICT service have signed off having had looked at all that process with the company to make sure all that that was all well. 
And from your own perspective, then gathering information about patients that you can sort of uh, make your own decisions, is there that sort of two-way stream of information where you do have access to patient records and say X-rays over a secure connection that you can review before engaging with Lucy? So, so that's that's a wider question for a thing called the electronic patient record, something that in Ireland we perhaps lagged behind with, versus other healthcare systems such as Canada or indeed the UK where I've worked. Again, in this hospital, we've been exploring many different uh, particular electronic solutions for that. But at this point in time, as in the most of Ireland, most of the charts are still paper-based. So in interacting with Lucy, the, the, um, the consultants or registrars who are dialing in, if you like, do need to have that discussion with the team ahead of time, realise what the background to the patient is, and also realise what the test results are. And that's all communicated ver- verbally through the, through the telepresence system. So telepresence is still quite a, quite a nascent technology in Ireland, uh, certainly in terms of adoption, but uh, internationally it has found an awful lot of uh, adherence. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about your experience in Canada, for example? So in, in Canada, and this was uh, pre-2009, because of the, the nature of the way Canada was and that there were many different districts which were, can be quite remote and during winter conditions can even be cut off, they have a, a tremendous uh, background in using telepresence, uh, not only to, to um, see patients but also in certain circumstances to conduct procedures. The uh, usefulness there was born out of necessity. In Ireland, we are a very social uh, group and we like face-to-face communication. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why um, we are uh, somewhat behind the curve in adopting telepresence, even to remoter areas perhaps in Ireland, whereby we still have doctors travelling down to do small clinics in very remote districts. Uh, in, In Canada, I had experience whereby I was able to conduct outpatients on the um, uh, uh, telepresence devices that they had, which were at that stage quite rudimentary and not as, as, as finessed as, say, Lucy is today. Um, since returning back in 2009 in Tala, we started the first Skype clinic. It was interesting at that time. Remember, the iPhone was just uh, first seen in 2007, but it was interesting in 2009 at that time, our major uh, uh, barrier in terms of, of getting that technology adopted was, was at the patient end in that people, not everybody had laptops with webcams and all the rest of it. Uh, people at this point in time mostly carry around smartphone devices that are even more powerful than any laptop would have been in 2009 and so it's become less of an issue now. So I see for the coming few years telepresence is going to get more and more adopted and you're going to be meeting your doctor more often online than you were previously and hopefully that will allow further access to what is a very good system once you have access to it. Uh, and to, to what extent do you think uh, Lucy is an essential component of the ASAU? Say, say if you were to package the, uh, the unit as a, a clinical model and say, look, this is how clinicians work with this device and it's, uh, it has produced a certain amount of outcomes within this kind of context. Is, is it a, a total package? So we've designed it as a total package. In terms of is it integral to the working of the unit, it certainly facilitates and backs up the working of the unit. But the unit has been robustly created along best practice internationally for such units. We've used the Irish experience, which has been born out of Limerick predominantly when they amalgamated a lot of the accident emergency units in their district and they needed an acute surgical assessment unit. And back in 2011, they started their their surgical assessment unit and that was the first in Ireland. 
Ireland. So we've used some of, of their, their, uh, the, what they learned, what their experience was, and we've, we've adapted it to our particular sitting in Tala here, serving our urban community. Thank you, Professor Ridgeway. Thank you very much. And that was Niall Kitson talking to Professor Paul Ridgeway. That's almost it for our tech radio show for today. Niall's still with us, of course. Uh, Niall, our, we always keep something for the end of the show that's available online that we didn't get to talk about in the podcast today. We call it our One More Thing. What is it this week? Yeah, well, I recommend having a look at our coverage of the Build Conference and we've also got an in-depth review of the Oculus Rift, uh, which I think everyone will get a kick out of. And also, uh, a hangover from Oculus Rift to Adblock or not to Adblock, uh, it may or may not be coming to, to edge. There you go. Three more things. Talk about delivering value for money. <laughs> That's it for the show today. Remember, you can get hourly updates on tech news along with daily newsletters from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. So next time from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.